What is up, fantasy people? This is a second bonus episode of the True North Fantasy Football Podcast this week. Oh, my sweet Jesus. That's rad. The first episode, we talked about some takeaways from week 12 and kind of how we look at them moving forward to week 13. In this second episode of the week, we are going to talk about some players and how they affect their offenses kind of the pieces around them and what we kind of expect going forward as we move into the fantasy playoffs. So I'm with my co-host Tyron McLaughlin once again. We're going to toss out a bunch of information. You feeling it today, Ty? I am big time and I kind of just took the spin of looking forward and, you know, kind of the trends that we talk about where we're looking at the last few weeks, last four, six weeks, whatever, and then looking forward and seeing what we, uh, what we can take away for fantasy playoffs. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, we got lots of, you know, good stats that we like to look for uh, moving into this time of year because, you know, it is crunch time and we're kind of narrowing our vision a little bit. And uh, there's, you know, a lot of certain things that you're looking for with these players that, you know, might be on the bottom end of your roster that you're making start sit decisions and stuff. So uh, why don't we fly into her? Yeah, let's do it because I think this is more, you know, we're done with buys and sells, so to speak. We're into confidence check time and yeah, let's get it done. I also want to mention, like, we're not going to hit Lamar Jackson, who's breaking the game right now. We're not going to hit Michael Thomas, who's on record pace. We're not, you know, who's not to be outdone by Christian McCaffrey. We don't want to hit these guys necessarily because, well, they're why we love football and encompass all that. There's just not a lot of fantasy takeaways. So we want to get to some players that are trending and they're affecting their entire offense. And they're players that we we need confidence checks heading into our fantasy playoffs here. But what do you think about that, draft? I think that's money. Do you want to kick it off? Start with the quarterbacks? Sure. Do you want to hit Carson Wentz and, uh, you know, talk a little bit of your Eagles? Yeah, let's get this over with. Yeah, so the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, they've, they've struggled lately, especially from a fantasy perspective. They've been really unbearable for fantasy, especially when it comes to best ball and things like that. Uh, so let's start with Carson Wentz. He has a bruised throwing hand. He's expected to play through it. Uh, but Carson Wentz has really struggled. He has 15 points or less in you know, five straight games here. He's thrown for less than 260 yards passing in all five. In those five games, he hasn't thrown multiple touchdowns. Over the previous 32 games, he hasn't gone more than two games straight without throwing for multiple touchdowns. So to go five straight is just ridiculous. Uh, do you think this is his fault, offense's fault? What's going on, Trap? Um, I think it's a lot of both. Not a little bit of both. It's a lot of both. <laughs> um, I think Carson right I think Carson Wentz looks off. He's sailing guys ridiculously. I think a microcosm of that is that screen pass that I think we all saw to Miles Sanders against the Seahawks, where it, it's like he was throwing a wheel route, but Miles Sanders was out in the flat. Uh, it's just like there's no explanation for that whatsoever. It was it was really, really bad, and he's been kind of doing that all season. Um, he just doesn't seem to have as much touch as he used to have. Uh, he's not dropping balls in there. He's more just kind of throwing darts, and it's not working, obviously. Um, 
you know, to be honest with you, I don't really have a bunch of stats or anything like that, partially because I didn't want to look at them. Um, oh, I but <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not been good. He's a quarterback 14 right now, I believe. And it, it, he's a hard guy to start right now. Yeah. In the last six weeks, he's quarterback 27. Uh, you know, in his defense though, over the last six weeks, he's played four top 10 defenses when it comes to points allowed to fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, but I, I do want to mention he also has three bottom of the barrel opponents uh, during fantasy playoffs. All three of the Eagles games, weeks 14 to 16 are plus matchups. But it's really interesting because we've never really seen this from Carson Wentz since his rookie year. You know what I mean? Like, we can't, we got to know for the options in this offense for fantasy. Uh, we can say weapons, injuries, the offense, and all that is half the truth. But there's, yeah, there is several issues at work. The other big problem is the deep ball. It's not there. Uh, and it's not just DJX being gone because we've seen uh, Carson Wentz be the seventh best quarterback in deep ball completion over the last two seasons. He's 25th this year. And, you know, he has just two deep ball touchdowns. And, you know, both those were to Deshaun Jackson in week one. <laughs> but, yeah, you mentioned his, <laughs> yeah. the yards per attempt, the yards per completion. Everything's way down. The whole offense for the Eagles has been a massive letdown. Uh, they only throw for about 217 passing yards per game. Uh, Philly is way below in every stat you can pull from when it comes to last year and the year before. And I just think it's so interesting because Carson Wentz, he's done this before in adverse conditions with the lack of weapons he's produced for fantasy. Uh, in 2017 and 2018, with very little weapons, battling injuries, uh, Wentz averaged almost 20 points per game in fantasy over that stretch. Only Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson were better over the last two years combined in 2017 and 2018. So, you know, Trav, what I'm getting to is what what are you doing with Carson Wentz in Dynasty right uh, I'm definitely pushing him back as far as what my expectations were. Um, I will fully admit that I'm kind of ever the optimist as an Eagles fan. So I think, you know, in, in the future, if they add a little bit around him, he's still got that good offensive line. There's some pieces in that backfield. You know, I think he could potentially turn it around to be uh, that top 10 quarterback. Uh, but for me in Dynasty, he's he's a back end quarterback one and that's quarterback 12. Um, if not an early quarterback too, but I think, I think we all know the upside for him to be a top 10 quarterback is there. Everybody had him as a top 10 dynasty quarterback coming into this season. There's some tools there and there's definitely some work that could be done to easily flip him back to that. Uh, but right now I think we have to kind of step off of that a little bit. Yeah. And are so are you bumping down guys like JJ or like Whiteside? Dallas Goddard is definitely moving up our boards right now. But players like, uh, you know, JJ or think Whiteside just interests me because we don't really know what to do with them in, say, like a 20, 25 man dynasty roster. Are you holding on to those players through the offseason when you have to make cuts for the rookie draft? It really depends on the roster size, really, yeah. really dependent on that. And it depends on kind of what happens in the offseason uh, going forward. Because to be honest with you, I did like some of what I saw from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in week 12. Uh, and I think the future could still be bright for him. But, you know, it depends on the roster and whatnot. In a 25-man he's going to be right on the bubble. He's going to be right on the bubble, but I think he's a guy who I would be potentially looking to pick up quickly off the waiver wire. If I did have to drop him, uh, because you know, there's going to be some opportunity in that wide receiver room. I think Alshon's gone. I think aguilar has gone. Uh, I think we're going to see them continue to use the two tight end set sets. There was talk about, Ertz signing a new contract and I think they're going to move forward with that uh, but they have to add at wide receiver and I think one of those pieces is from within with JJ Ortega Whiteside 
Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see one of the big free agents land there on maybe a short-term prove-it deal like an A.J. Green or Robbie Anderson or somebody like that who could emerge. Or even, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if Howie ends up acquiring one via trade. Yeah, well, and I've seen, you know, a lot of those way too early mock drafts. I've seen them taking a wide receiver in the first round in a bunch of those. Um, right now, they're looking at between picks like 12 and 20. Uh, so there is some room for them to draft a potential good wide receiver. Uh, I don't think they're getting like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. No, but they got to get up. Yeah. Somebody in like the Henry Ruggs area might yeah. be pretty sweet or a LaVisca Cheneau. Uh, but mm. it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's going to be one of the spots to watch for landing spots in the draft for sure, and free agency for that matter. Just the offseason in general for Philly. It's interesting to look back because we kind of they were they were such an interesting team this year. A lot of bylaws on that team. Uh, do you want to hit Miles Sanders? Yeah, we could. I mean, he hasn't really taken the bull by the horns the past two weeks that he's been over 80% snaps. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he still looks decent in the pass game. He didn't get a whole lot of work before garbage time in week 12. uh, So not a whole lot that I'm taking away from that. Uh, He definitely didn't look that great in the run game. I think Jordan Howard's going to be coming back soon. Uh, Jay Ajayi actually filled in for Jordan Howard and he had a couple of good runs. Uh, So, you know, I want Jordan Howard to come back so these guys can settle back into those roles. Yeah, I mean, what I I got my big takeaway was exactly like I kind of like that Miles Sanders had the five targets and they most of them did come near the end of the game, but it was because it was a negative game script for the Seahawks. So, you know, it's interesting for next year. I know that they have a pretty cake schedule going down the stretch, but I just think that's a really interesting note for next year uh, in tough matchups that Miles Sanders definitely they really want to use him in the passing game. That's where they should be using him the most, uh, especially with all these Eagle injuries in the passing game right now. And to mention the strength of schedule, they do play Miami. The New York Giants, Washington Redskins, and then the Dallas Cowboys finish the year here. Uh, it's just such a cake schedule. And, you know, I'll note really quick because they do use Miles Sanders a lot more on the road when you look at his home road splits. Both his games over 18 PPR points, both came on the road. So the Miami game is on the road, and so is the Redskins game. So, you know, I just think Miles Sanders still isn't dead this year, that's for sure. Uh, they don't have a lot to, you know, go to in Philadelphia right now. And I don't think JHI is the answer. Uh he had one decent 11-yard carry. The other five attempts went for five yards combined. With Miami on the schedule, maybe. Is there any chance, actually, for a revenge game? It's just oh, occurring to me. Oh, yeah. man. Because <laughs> he did only play oh. 12% of the snaps. And I, I, I do think Jordan Howard misses week 13. I think you're right, too. I think Jordan Howard's going to miss. Um, for real football, would love to see that revenge game. For my Miles Sanders shares, where I'm relying on him this week, would not like to see that JHIE revenge game. So uh, only time will tell. We shall see. But uh, it could happen. But I, I kind of hope that Miles Sanders still continues to get that 80-plus percent snap share. <laughs> And, you know, like, uh, as long as all these injuries continue, one note on the passing game is that Ertz and Goddard uh, combined for 19 catches on 22 targets. The rest of the team had 14 catches on 23 targets. And, it, you know, last year, last week was similar as well, the week before. So it's pretty interesting yeah. that these guys are being the heaviest used. Uh, I, you don't see that very often, two tight ends, that's for sure. Yeah, you can light both of those guys up. Obviously, you're lighting Ertz up, but I think you could probably start Dallas Goddard with some fair confidence, especially in a PPR league right now. Yeah, and keep in mind, a lot of the stuff, the Miles Sanders snap share, the Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard usage, all this is coming out of their bye week with, you know, Doug Peterson, who's a pretty uh, involved guy in the in the bye week. Yeah, my man, big balls, Doug. <laughs> okay, why don't we move to the next guy on the quarterback docket? Tim Brady. Tim Brady. Tom Brady. 
he uh you know he's had kind of an underwhelming seeming season but he's still chucking it he's got the most attempts in the nfl right now uh what do you think about uh tim a and the weapons over in new england mm-hmm. that's crazy that he has the most uh he has the most passing attempts this year he has the most totally attempts. wow totally i was pretty surprised when i saw that as well i kind of look i looked it up and i'm seeing all of these games where he's at 40 plus 30 plus that yeah. rain game against dallas he still had 37 attempts wow so yeah, maybe yeah. that's a quick note that we know Brady down the stretch, he's oldest time. He's you know, Father Time hasn't beaten him yet, but they're fighting to a draw or whatever. And then there's weather that we have to concern ourselves with the Fox Bro down the stretch. So a lot of Tom Brady, uh, you know, back half of the season fantasy wise, he's he's not normally a guy I've ever had on my rosters because of what we see out of him in the second half of fantasy seasons. So right now I'm gonna break Brady's season into two. Uh, The first six weeks, he had over 20 fantasy points in five of six games. Since then, he has not had a single game of 20 points in fantasy. Yeah, man, the touchdowns have just kind of dried up for him. In the past six games, he's only thrown multiple touchdowns once. Uh, So, you know, if if I'm looking at, like, a quarterback that I want to rely on. I want at least two touchdowns a game. Uh, you're not getting that from Tom Brady. And, you know, the passing game is short as as we kind of expect it to be. His yards per attempt is the 28th in the NFL at 6.7 yards. Uh, I've got in my notes here that he's kind of like a cerebral game manager type thing with a little bit of, you know, yardage upside. Uh, cerebral being that he's going to outthink a lot of teams, even though he's not, you know, chucking it over their heads. He's doing kind of what he's meant to do within this offense, but it's not that great for fantasy. Yeah, and they've they've struggled against better opponents. It's interesting because their schedule's been so easy up until this point. It gets very easy down the stretch, but I just don't know who to trust in this whole offense. Like, I can't trust James White right now, even though they they play some teams that you want to trust them against. It's just a really bizarre schedule for, for the... I mean, this week, I think Houston is on the schedule for New England, and they allow the most receptions to running backs in the whole league. But I still don't want to start James White because I could get a zero from him, you know? And the same goes for all the passing weapons outside of Julian Edelman for me, too. Do you have any interest in Inkiel Harry? Do you think he can be a, a, a startable wide receiver down the stretch at all? Well, kind of a glimpse into a league that you are the commissioner of, our Superflex League. I had to start Nikhil Harry this past week, and I was, su- well, I didn't have to, but I just took a shot and said, why not? And uh, luckily, I got that touchdown out of him. That was a gorgeous touchdown. But he's going to have to make a career out of doing exactly that, like winning without separation on tight back shoulder throws. And that's a tough, that's a tough way to make your money. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I think I think that was kind of a glimpse of what Nikhil Harry can give you. So <laughs> as far as confidence in starting him, I am absolutely not confident in starting him. You know, it could just as easily be Mohamed Sanu getting double digit targets. We know Julian Edelman's going to be in there. Julian Edelman actually leads the league in red zone targets right now with 18. So, uh, you know, I'm not relying on Nikhil Harry whatsoever. Um, that was just kind of a dart throw needed needed to see if I could hit on that. So I started him. Um, not something I would necessarily recommend to everybody. Um, so I'm not huge into any pieces of this pass game, whether they are wide receivers or running backs. I'm petrified for a lot of my fantasy players that are on New England and on Kansas City in week 14 there in fantasy football playoffs. They're going to be playing each other in Foxborough. It's going to be a cold, weird game. Yeah, you think they come out with like a hockey score? No, no. I think I think <laughs> if, if the Patriots can't keep up, I think the Chiefs blow them out in Foxborough. But it's hard to predict where those, because, you know, Belichick is going to scheme so independent of that particular opponent on that week. 
And we don't know how he's going to go about that necessarily. It, it doesn't necessarily correlate with what the other team is unsuccessful at. It doesn't always correlate that way. Yeah, yeah. And so for Kansas City, it looks like, okay, you should be able to run it down their throat all all game. But if Kansas City gets up a couple touchdowns, I'm sure Belichick prepared for that as well. Yeah. Okay, so are we ready to move on from the Patriots? Yeah, spent way too long. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we saw them get beat up on Monday night against MVP Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Jared Goff, um, just to talk about him, let alone his weapons, Goff is quarterback 21 in fantasy um, with pretty solid weapons, so that's brutal. Uh, I think uh, one of the problems with this offense is that they're not funneling through Todd Gurley anymore, um, whether that's due to his knee, which it probably is, or other reasons, uh, whatever, they're not doing it, and it's not helping their offense, and also their bad offensive line. Um, it's it's just not looking good in La La Land. Uh, what, what do you got for Goff and the Rams, Ty? Yeah, pretty much the same. Maybe we should start firing through these a little bit. Goff has yeah. just played absolutely terrible. Uh, there's not a lot you can say about it because, you know, there's been injuries. The offensive line has been absolutely atrocious. It's pretty trippy that we've never seen Todd Gurley outside of a poor offensive line or a really superior offensive line, if you know what I mean. Like, going back to Jeff Fisher, we never really saw a superior offensive line. It kind of came into form once Sean McVay came and free agents came in with him. Uh, I don't really know what to make of the girly situation because I've, I've had very little faith in them all season and seeing the way that they've continually, uh, you know, pulled back his snaps in certain games, not used them at all in the passing game. I mean, the targets of running backs for Los Angeles is bottom of the league. It's just ridiculous. So, you know, the only guys I do have faith in is Cooper cup. I don't care what's happened. He was the wide receiver two over the first half of the season. And you know, if Goff is going to get right, it's going to be on the back of Cooper cup. Uh, we also saw Robert Woods get heavily used. I don't know if that trend continues, except for maybe when they get in the red zone, they do want to get him a score. And for Brandon Cooks, you know, I love Brandon Cooks. I'll never give up on him, but he might be more effective at drawing pass interference than he is for winning people leagues and fans. Yeah, totally, man. I think the guy to own definitely, like you said, is Cooper Cup. Um, aside from that, it's kind of a crapshoot. No wide receiver has 100 yards in the past three weeks um, and only once all season have two wide receivers out of Los Angeles had over 100 yards. So uh, it's very unlike what we saw last year where all three of these guys were putting up really good numbers and they had pretty solid floors from week to week. I'm probably not starting Brandon Cooks right now. I know he's fantastic, and I know it only takes a couple plays for him to have a monster week. Um, but if I can, I'm probably not starting him. And Robert Woods, you know, if if I've got one of those start three wide receiver leagues and I really need a, a high upside option for the wide receiver three spot, I could see myself putting in Robert Woods. Uh, but I'm not really super excited about either Woods or Cooks right now. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, I think for Robert Woods, like, the ceiling, like, it just doesn't justify starting him because we're not seeing the big weeks. So, you know, it's hard, too hard to predict kind of when you're going to get that, uh, those big spiked weeks when it comes to uh, his volume. And really quick on Todd Gurley, it's pretty crazy. The Rams are last in the NFL targeting the running backs at, you know, just over 10%. Last year, Todd Gurley alone had a 16% share of the Rams targets. It's really mind yeah, it's ugly. And the goal line usage, it's like dropped off a cliff as well. For a guy's, you know, set records over the last two years. Usage. And in the red zone. 
Yep, so uh, that's a big L for me on Todd Gurley this season, but I'll take the good with the bad. Um, well, as much as, like, David Johnson was an L last year, you know? Like, he's just been a, yeah, a guy that's been frustrating. All right, so to keep this train rolling, we're going to talk a little bit on the running back front. Uh, kind of a really, a really exciting name since he moved over to the Arizona Cardinals, Kenyon Drake. He's had a bit of an up and down tenure in Arizona as far as production, but I think he's brought a lot more excitement to that backfield than what we were seeing from David Johnson. Uh, it's been pretty cool to see him get some more work, Ty. What do you think about old Kenny Drake? I mean, I don't have a ton of thoughts. He's a super startable running back right now since the trade, and that's through three really tough matchups straight. It's crazy. Uh, I remember, you know, I, I'm taking a huge L on Kenny Drake when it comes to his fantasy value post-trade. I was like, oh, I'll totally avoid this guy. You know, he's in a three-man committee, and he might be the worst player in that committee, and, you know, their, their check schedule is brutal. He's, you know, transcended all those things, and you know, I don't know what we're going to expect from David Johnson you know, the Cardinals are falling further and further out of, you know, contention when it comes to real life football. So they can shut David Johnson down. Chase Edmonds, we we always want to see. I'll always be worried for the running back who's playing in the same backfield as Chase Edmonds. So I'm not like diving in head first on Kenyon Drake, but I do see why people want to. Because, you know, it is an ideal spot getting this passing usage that the running back's going to get in Arizona. Yeah, man. Uh, since, since he came to Arizona, he's second in team targets. He's second in receptions. He's got 18% of the targets over that span, so that's solid for a running back. Um, you know, he's he's kind of shown that he's a really dynamic player. Uh, like you said, you're not diving in head first, but I'm definitely going full belly flop in on Kenyon Drake. Uh you know, I, I really believed in his talent coming into the season. I think I probably had him as like a top 15 running back coming into the year. So obviously that didn't happen. Uh, but what he's doing in Arizona is why I thought he would be a top 20 running back coming into the season. Uh, so it's been just it's just been kind of cool to see him get some more work and and be a part of an offense that's actually moving the ball, you know. Okay, next up is Derrick Henry in Tennessee. He's had a couple of massive games the past two, 150 plus in each and two touchdowns in each as well. Uh, currently running back seven in PPR, which is really, really cool because we didn't really see him as somebody who could keep up the same level of production he could in PPR as he does in the standard leagues. Uh, what do you think on Derrick Henry, Ty? I told you, I I really like what we're seeing from Derrick Henry. And, you know, I do want to give it up to Ryan Tannehill. A lot of this has to do with Ryan Tannehill, who's, you know, a top five quarterback since starting. It's just remarkable. But over the last five weeks or so, uh, since week seven, I think, there's been a top – yeah, it's week seven. Since then, there's been a top three tier at running back for fantasy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey alone at over 30 points per game. Uh, second is Dalvin Cook at just under 24 points per game. And third is big bad Derrick Henry. He's averaging over 22.3 points per game. Uh the tier I mentioned is because the next tier of running backs at running backs four to six over the stretch, those three are averaging 19.8 to 18 points per game. The running back seven has 14.6 points per game. It's just very interesting the advantage Derrick Henry owners are getting. Uh, it's a huge gap, almost eight points between the running back three, Derrick Henry, and the running back seven over the last five weeks. And that's with minimal passing work too, so it's pretty sweet. I mean, he's been a... Yeah, he's been a super consistent player. I mean, he's got three games under 75 rushing yards, and he's only got three games on the season without a touchdown. And he has four games with two yeah. touchdowns. 
It's like he's been super, super consistent, um, and it's it's held up in PPR. He's he's definitely done more than I anticipated. It's very rare. What I'm getting at is we talked about it with Sam on that Dynasty, uh, you know, kind of themed episode. Uh, and Sam's such a great mind. He he talked about, you know, basically you don't see fantasy running backs in the top 12 uh, consistently when they're not getting the passing work. As simple as that. Uh, but every year there is one outlier, and it's really like literally there is only one or two every year. Uh, there's never three or four. <laughs> but Derrick Henry is that guy who's shaping up that way this year, and you kind of have to pick that guy. Who is that guy going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. And uh, so, I mean, just to do a little snapshot of the strength of schedule, although based on his volume and his production, I don't think the strength of schedule matters too, too much. Um, He's got two cake matchups with Indy and Oakland. Both of them are in the bottom third of the league. If you look at Sharp Football's rush D efficiency, Um, I looked at a lot of Sharp Football rush defense efficiency. We like to use Sharp Football for a lot of that stuff. They have some really, really cool in-depth tools that you can use. Um, So that's kind of what I've been looking at for strength of schedule. So you'll hear me mention that. Sorry, so getting back to Tennessee's schedule, the final two games for them are against Houston and New Orleans, who are both top 10 in rush D efficiency. Uh, So I'm not going to be sitting Derrick Henry, um, but I'm not going to be expecting quite as much as I will in these next two coming up. That game against Colts is huge. Yeah, but I I think all that's to say is that like Derrick Henry is like the poster boy running back two right now. He's everything you want in your running back two on your roster. He may not be the type of player that you target, um, but the production he's given you is is fantastic. It's obviously running back one production, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Derrick Henry's probably a running back two on most teams based on where you drafted him. So what are do you have him as like a top twelve running back in dynasty next year? Do you think you see yourself? drafting them say in the top two rounds of a dynasty startup no i don't yeah, me either i don't i think it's just the passing work and i don't know if like i honestly think they'll probably re-up him because he's shown kind of you don't eh? i think th- i think they might try he's gonna want a lot of money yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see but i just think regardless of where he goes nobody's going to give him the whole kit and caboodle as far as uh passing game work yeah i think it's also interesting like i don't see a lot of landing spots where he's gonna get the demands that you know, he's not going to get the money he wants. Like, I don't think anybody's going to be willing to sign this Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Devonta Freeman deal. No, I think I'm with you. He's not going to get what he wants. And, you know, that could be part of part of him coming back to Tennessee is that if he's not going to get that big payday, then maybe just kind of stick with what you know. But uh, it'll be a fun offseason to watch for old D. Henry. I call him D. Hank. And really quick, you know, Trav, before we uh, move on from running backs, I just think we should mention that it is handcuff season. A lot of people talk a lot about handcuffs. I don't think it's very important to do so uh, through the season, really, at all, unless you're backing up a guy like Dalvin Cook or somebody on your own team. However, I do think at this point of the season, especially if you're destined for the playoffs, I think we should be stashing uh, as many as these uh, players as we can handle on our rosters. Yeah, that's a good point, man. And like previously, I haven't been like handcuff averse. Holding those guys from week one all the way through is not very beneficial. Um, Most likely because most of those guys, if they're on the waiver wire, you can probably pick them up in like the week 10 or after range. Um, But I definitely, definitely like picking up handcuffs around this time of the year, especially for those high volume running backs that you own. So why don't you drop a couple names as far as handcuffs that some people should be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, there's players where you want to look at somebody who's going to get all the work. You want somebody who's going to get the passing work, you're going to get the rushing work. Basically, the work that the workhorse running back is leaving behind. 
Uh, also, we want to look at players who have a little bit of draft capital and things like that. The team is invested in those players. Think of somebody like Nick Chubb last year, who we also even got off the waiver wires in a lot of leagues. Uh, so a couple of guys I wrote down were Wayne Gallman, obviously behind Saquon Barkley. They have just such an unbelievably good playoff schedule that it's actually worth stashing Wayne Gallman. Tony Pollard's another one. If Zeke was to go down, Tony Pollard would smash. He'd be an automatic top 10 running back. And the other guy along those lines is Alexander Madison. Yeah, those guys are fantastic. And a couple more that I got. Uh, Ryquel Armstead in Jacksonville. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been getting a fat workload, and that's fat with a PH. Um, so I think Ryquel would come in and probably get that. One kind of outside the box one that I picked up this past week was Daryl Williams. I don't know if he necessarily qualifies as a handcuff, but if you can get him on your roster, um, then there are some injuries in front of him. And we know that Kansas City is a backfield that we want pieces of. Um, A couple other ones, you know, Gus Edwards is probably one of my favorite handcuffs because I think he would be extremely productive. Uh, Rashad Penny, you know, he could be moving into standalone territory, but I think he's a quality handcuff to have. Latavius Murray, he got some pretty good work this past week, and I think he's a really high-end handcuff. I think we would probably call him a handcuff, eh? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously rostered. Just make sure you don't drop him or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. After, and... after this most recent week, I don't think anyone's doing that. No, definitely. And uh, one other kind of outside the box one, the Carolina Panthers have Mike Davis that they recently got after his release from the Chicago Bears. Uh, So not that I'm hoping something happens to Christian McCaffrey because he's been phenomenal. We all know that. But Mike Davis, you know, has shown a lot of talent and we liked him coming into the season. Hasn't really shaken out for him, but good player for sure. Okay, so let's fly through some of these wide receivers, Ty. Do you want to start off Cooper Cup? Sure. I mean, I think Cooper Cup, he, obviously, he's trending down. That's why we're hitting him. But I still think he's a top option in L.A. I mean, he was the wide receiver, two from weeks one to eight. And then they went on their bye week. He's been the wide receiver 58 since then. Uh, it's pretty frustrating. He did see 10 targets against Baltimore. And I do think this offense could start to turn around uh, Los Angeles. I know it sounds bizarre to say after what we saw on Monday Night Football. But with all three wide receivers healthy, we got to remember last year when all three of those wide receivers were on the field healthy, they were all three top 20 wide receivers. And they do have some, it's a weird battle when it comes to strength and schedule, but they do have some games that I'm interested in, especially uh, this upcoming week against Arizona. And then they play Seattle, then they play at Dallas, and then they go to San Francisco for fantasy championship week who are allowing, you know, less than 18 points per game to the wide receivers as a position. So definitely, uh, Cooper Cup is going to be somebody who might lose your fantasy league straight up if he's your wide receiver one. But I, I still have a lot of faith in Cooper Cup up until week 16. Uh, am I misguided? Do you think we're kind of seeing a big stream of regression here from the first half of the season? Well, yeah, and I think it's not necessarily due to Cooper Cup. It's more due to Jared Goff, as we talked about kind of at the top of the show. I do like that schedule. Like you said, Seattle's defense isn't scaring anybody as far as passing weapons. And Dallas, you know, it's a good defense, but it's not one that I'm going to sit my studs against. And we love the matchup against Arizona. So I'm with you. I could definitely see a little bit of an uptick coming out of this Rams offense with those guys healthy. Uh, I think real quick, just to touch on one of the pieces for Cooper Cup, he's only got nine red zone targets on the year, uh, four of those coming inside the 10 yard line. And last year in eight games, he had 10 red zone targets. So he hasn't really been getting the red zone work that he got last year. But I think that again, circles back to Jared Goff, who led the league last year in red zone attempts, but he only has 35 this year for 24th in the league. Uh, So I think Cup's touchdown production has been kind of a product of that. 
in dynasty where are you putting cooper cup yeah he's still a top 12 wide receiver for me i i just think a lot of this whole issue with the los angeles rams it sounds simplistic but i do think a lot of it has to do with the offensive line we know how poor Jared Goff is under pressure and we just we we've seen the pattern for defeat when it comes to the los angeles rams and that's gets get pressure to the quarterback and they really just eliminate all the gaps in the run game lately too when the Ram the Rams just really aren't getting anything done from their offensive line. You know, over the last few weeks we've seen a little bit of flash when it comes to run blocking, but it, it's really night and day from what we saw in the last couple of years with the Rams. And I you know, the the red zone trips just aren't there. Like they're a team that was getting to the red zone as much as anybody, and now they're not. Totally, man. Um, I'm going to take us down a quick narrative street here with Cooper Cup. Um, I was kind of looking, I was thinking about his dynasty outlook. Uh, I think as far as the wide receiver room, Brandon Cooks is definitely going to stick around. He's got a huge dead cap all the way until 2023. Um, Robert Woods, he could be a manageable cut coming into 2020 with a $4 million dead cap hit. Um, But the narrative that I want to take you down is that these guys still have to pay a lot of players. They got to pay Jalen Ramsey. They got to pay Cooper Cup, who's coming up on a deal in the next couple years and cooper cup is super cheap right now way undervalued as far as his salary Um, yeah they have to pay jared Goff (laughs) because he's not being paid yet (laughs) totally and i mean they need to get some help on the offensive line they have zero picks um could you potentially see them trading cooper cup to try and get picks i know it's like out of this world and i don't think it's gonna happen i don't Um, i don't think it would happen just because of the the chemistry Honestly, like like Jared Goff and him are super close uh, personally. That's number one. Uh, number two, I just don't think they'd rock the boat like that because Jared Goff, in all with all due respect, he does have that kind of fragility to him. You know what I mean? Like it seems like if you don't give him exactly what he's expecting, he's not going to be uh, productive. Mm-hmm. So I, I really just think Cooper Cup is really his go-to guy. He's also the one player on this team who's not like a player like him is synonymous with poor offensive line play. They're peppered with targets when their offensive line is poor. Uh, they're close to the line of scrimmage. They're always open. They get open quick. They're running routes against zone schemes. It's just a, a really easy target for a player to pick up. And Cooper Cup can make it happen after the catch. Like he's really he's building on his talents. Like I I know a lot of people that were naysayers coming out of college as a college prospect, and they weren't necessarily wrong to think negative uh, you know aspects about his profile coming out. Uh, the fact is he's just really improved his game since getting to the end. So I, I really love Cooper Cup, and I think Los Angeles does too. I think they value him about it. I, I I'll put it this way: they will find a way to cut Jared Goff, cut Robert Woods before they'll trade Cooper Cup. Yeah, that's I, a good I, point. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's interesting though when we look at these wide receivers that uh, Brandon Cooks is actually the youngest of that wide receiver group, and Cooper Cup is the second youngest, and then Robert Woods obviously is a sneaky uh, borderline older wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a good point. And like, I don't really think he's going to get traded, but I was just thinking from the lens that it's one less guy from for them to pay. And it's probably the most valuable asset they have that could recoup some of that draft capital that they've given up. So it's kind of yeah, interesting. Totally. But I think, you know, I, I don't think that all three of those guys are going to come back next year. I think something's got to give as far as them getting a little bit of relief. Let's trade Brandon Cooks. He's been traded like every other year. Yeah, no doubt. They get a first for him, no problem. <laughs> who's who's gonna win the Super Bowl next year? Trade him that. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so the next guy we got on the docket here, um, he's been fantastic this year. It's come out of nowhere. That's DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Um, it's been really cool. He still looks like the alpha, even with Nick Foles in there. Uh, he had a big game in week 11 with the 15 targets. It was well-documented. In week 12, he cooled off a little bit with six targets for 38 yards, but I I think that's kind of an aberration, not necessarily a trend. What do you think for uh, DJ Chark? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know what to think anymore. I was really excited coming out of, uh, well, not really excited. I was devastated that Gardner Minshew wouldn't be starting anymore. I really think, like, the kid has a future in the NFL, regardless of some of his turnovers and turnover-worthy plays. And, you know, Nick Foles is just useless. It's he, That's all you can say. All they can do is target people short. Uh, he's a dink and dunk quarterback. That's all he's shown. He really, really has played terrible in these two games, in my opinion. I know the box scores look fine, but like he has been brutal and the deep throws are just unbelievably bad. Like Nick Foles is not going to give his wide receivers a plus quarterback. Like you're not getting great quarterback play. Uh, if you're a DJ Chark owner, having said all that, he's six foot four. He's just a freak of nature. I really have faith that DJ Chark can transcend the situation. Like he did uh, all season long, pretty much through mediocre quarterback play. But I really, it, I, I think that we could see Gardner Minshew before the end of the season. I really do, especially if we get one more game like this out of Bulls. I think it'll be a quick, uh, a quick bowl. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, but DJ far... Chark's DJ Chark for your for your fantasy lineup. I'm I'm definitely starting with my wide receiver two or whatever. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. Uh, what do you think about these other two guys? I think, you know, the the wide receiver targets have been spread around since Nick Foles came back. So um, you mentioned Gardner Minshew could come back into the fold, but I think for now we're kind of planning with them to have Nick Foles. Uh, the, the, since Nick Foles came back, Chark's got 21 targets, but Didi's got 15, and Chris Conley actually has 17 targets in that span. Uh, so what do you think about Didi and Chris Conley? Is there one that you would prefer? Um, would you use either of them or none of them? What do you think about those guys? Yeah, won't won't use either of them for sure. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for Didi. Uh, it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Cooper Cup. I just don't think the Jaguars have like a superior offensive line. They don't have good quarterback play. They don't have a tight end. We know Nick Foles likes those middle-of-the-field targets, so... It, there was justification for why people were so high on D.D. Westbrook coming into the season with Nick Foles at quarterback. Uh, so if I had to choose between them, I'm still choosing him. Uh, Chris Conley, you know, he's always going to be the guy who looks better on the field than what he's going to give you in your fantasy lineup. You know what I mean? Like, he's an athletic freak. He makes those amazing catches every once in a while. Um, he's just not a guy I can start. How many, like you said, so it was, what, 21 for Dark, 17 for... Conley, and 15 for D.D. How... How many does uh freaking uh, Lenny have? He must have like close to twenty. Lenny's got a bunch. He had twelve this week, and I think he had like eight the week before or something. So yeah, he's got right around twenty too. So that that's the big factor too. It's like he's really just throwing the ball short. I worry about the the touchdown upside with DJ Jark especially, but you know DD Westbrook, those kind of players, I don't have a lot of faith that they're gonna be scoring. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I'm, you know, you're not really banking on touchdowns from those guys. You're hoping for volume, and you can't predict that volume. So, that process would dictate that you can't start those guys. One piece of note for the Jaguars before we move on is that their strength of schedule is super juicy. Um, they got Tampa Bay coming up this week, the Chargers, then they got Oakland and Atlanta in the fantasy championship. 
So I think that just further cements DJ Chark. And, you know, there's probably going to be production out of some of those other guys. But like we said, you can't predict it. And this is the time of year where you really need to make sure you get some points. So the possibility of a zero for Chris Conley is not worth me putting him in my lineup for sure. Yeah, it's a team like when there's a team that's this volatile or a team that I trust the quarterback so little, I really don't. I try not to play the matchups too frequently, even if they're juicy. Moving right along, we've got kind of one of the most polarizing players we've ever seen in fantasy, a massive bust down in Miami. Why do you care about the dolphin? Do you know him? Does he call you at home? Do you have a dorsal fin? Devontae Parker. You and I had a brief conversation about him uh, before the show. Uh, I think our opinions are rather differing on him, but uh, why don't you kick off Devontae Parker? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just hate him. He's just... Uh... <laughs> He's a guy that I I didn't mind him coming out of school. Uh, I've learned a lot through a lot of the different prospects around the league when you look at these bigger body guys who uh, don't separate very well. I just think he's kind of a product of garbage time, and I I can't stress enough how invaluable the targets he's getting are. Uh, I just don't think he's going to win anybody any weeks. You know what I mean? Like He's somebody I don't even feel comfortable starting in my flex book, um, regardless of the volume. But, But I know that, like, if you want to lay out some of this volume for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and let me just start this by saying I'm in no way like a Devonte Parker truther. Um, I'm just looking at kind of what he's been doing for fantasy. So in the past three games, he does have 10 plus targets. Uh, in the past six, he's averaged nine targets and he's cleared 50 yards in all of those games. He's only got two touchdowns in that six game span, uh, but the volume has been pretty decent for him. I think the Ryan Fitzpatrick effect is real. And we said that coming into the season that these passing weapons are going to be better with Ryan Fitzpatrick in the fold. Um, Like I said, like he's not going to be a world beater. And you said that he's not going to win you your weeks. Totally get that. Um, But for me, I'm kind of, uh, I play a little bit more risk averse. So if I can count on 10 targets and like six grabs for 60 yards out of a flex to get me those, you know, 12 plus points, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, and I, I kind of get the Devontae Parker love. And then, honestly, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing is interesting because the main reason I was kind of off him is he just looked kind of like garbage there in the middle of the season. He's looked a lot better against Buffalo and Cleveland. So uh, hats off to him for that. And, you know, it's translated to Devontae Parker having some big games. But, you know, I just really don't think the touchdowns are going to be there, number one. And number two, a lot of this has been by necessity since Preston Williams went out, who we love uh, for Dynasty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just – I. I just don't trust this Miami offense, and I don't trust that they won't try weird things down the stretch to see what they have going into next year. And bottom line is, well, I can be wrong easily. I've been wrong all bloody season for Devontae Parker, (laughs) but I'm definitely willing to take the L on this one. Like, I'm totally willing to take the L and get the 35 points from Terry McLaurin in a spot, or the the 0.3. But luckily... Aaron Jones went off that week. You know what I mean? Like it's all a balancing act on our, in our fantasy lineups. That's why you can take those low weeks from people and you don't need these 10 point weeks from players like Devontae Parker all the time. Totally. There is kind of a component of roster dependency. It really depends on kind of what, what your team needs and what's on your team. So, so that's completely fair. Or Yeah. Even your team makeup, right? Like if you have boomer bust players like a Tyreek Hill and like, you know, a couple of players who can have low weeks, a Devontae Parker can be totally valuable. Yeah, man. And, you know, 
if we look at his schedule, he does have Philadelphia next. He's got the Jets, the Giants, and Cincinnati in the fantasy championship. So that's a good schedule for wide receivers. Um, and, you know, I think this team's defense is pretty bad. Their run game is pretty bad. So I think they are going to have to throw the ball a little bit. So, you know, why not catch a little piece of Devontae Parker's 15 minutes of fame, right? <laughs> yeah. Just don't blame me in the offseason. Yeah, I won't. Okay, and you briefly mentioned Terry McLaurin there. I think we're going to make McLaurin our last guy of the episode, Ty, just because we are running a little bit long. But I think McLaurin is a really intriguing player moving forward. Uh, We saw that huge production early on. He had five touchdowns in his first six games. But in the six games since, he has none. So I think, you know, he kind of built some unfair expectations for himself. What do you think about Terry McLaurin moving forward here? Yeah, well, he's coming off his career high i guess in targets 12 targets is pretty nice to see uh going down the stretch he does have some decent uh you know he plays philadelphia in week 15 the giants in week 16 that's a pretty nice uh last two games on your fantasy schedule to have terry mclaurin in there as a flex there's a couple interesting notes i think from washington because we saw Dwayne haskins terry mclaurin's college teammate he didn't actually take the last snap of the football game and he was seen in a sling after the Mm. game and a lot of people were all worried I just want to say that it would be great if he was hurt <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, ironically, he hasn't been that great with his college quarterback. Office. So I, I'd really like to see what he can do again uh, under a different quarterback. So Terry McLaurin, I have a lot of faith in no matter what going down the stretch, especially in week 15 and week 16. You know, Terry McLaurin, I think, could be trusted when we're trying to win championships. Yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins busted a wing taking selfies. Yeah, <laughs> clipped wing. <laughs> Yeah, you got a clipped wing. Um, <laughs> as far as McLaurin, though, like I'm not quite as trusting as you are rest of season. You know, I love him in Dynasty. I love him as a player. Um, but if I have kind of a more surefire option, this goes a little bit back to the Devontae Parker kind of taking the volume type thing. But um, it's due mostly to the Washington offense. Like you said, if Case Keenum's in there, give me Terry McLaurin, no problem as a flex, probably as like a wide receiver too. Um, but I think with Haskins in there, you know, you can't really count on a touchdown. You can't count on yardage. And he did have that big target game this past week, but I don't think you can really count on a ton of targets necessarily um so you know he hasn't been scoring a bunch lately i'm not super excited if i'm putting him in as a flex those last two games like you said are good but you know i'm i'm hoping to have other options just in case those options do give me the prospect of more points moving through the fantasy playoffs I'm not the type that's super okay with taking those zeros along with those 36s because if I take one of those zeros in the fantasy playoffs, that could be the difference between me losing or if I took those 10 points, that could be the difference between me winning, right? Yeah, could be. Or the 15-point difference between his and Devontae Parker's score could be. Who knows? Could be, could be. But... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I just think I do recommend that everyone watches Terry McLaurin. I just think he's a phenomenal prospect. Like in that one hundred catch last week, he's just so good. He's so good. And, you know, he did explode against Philadelphia in week one. He had 125 yards, touchdown, 23.5 PPR points. I didn't play in the game against the Giants earlier in the year, but I'm pretty sure I'll let him up here in, in fantasy championship. As as a wide receiver, three-year flex. That's fair. That's very could totally happen. I'm not saying it won't. Okay. So that's all we got for this episode, buddy. Oh, good. Actually, yeah. I didn't feel great. 
<laughs> that's okay. I think we hammered it out and we got some good info out there. You know, I think uh, going into the playoffs, our goal right now is to provide a bunch of information, right? We talked about the last episode where we want to kind of empower people to make their roster decisions. This is crunch time. This is where you are going to have to live and die by the decisions that you make on your roster. Um, so, you know, we're not here to make those decisions for you. We're here to inform you and kind of help you use the process in order to win yourself your league. Yeah, and feel free to always hop into our DMs, ask us any questions about your fantasy lineups. I'm definitely willing to answer any questions you, uh, anybody has at TNFF Tyrell. Uh, that's all I got tonight, Drea. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat. I love it when people get in touch with me and they kind of value our opinion and ask our advice. Um, so you can find me at tcl14 uh, you can always find both of our stuff at true north ffb on twitter and don't forget to visit the website at true north so want to say happy thanksgiving to all of our american friends out there the pod's going to come out this thursday so today if you're listening to this you'll be watching those thanksgiving games um hopefully it's a good start to your fantasy week yeah and turkey day coming up switch out those jeans for sweatpants let's go all right everybody peace